New episode of the podcast where I'm joined by both Jim Alexander and Jeff Gorham. We talk about some Big West basketball, particularly about David Patrick deciding to leave UC Riverside and head to Arkansas to join Eric Musselman's staff there in the SEC. And we'll also discuss the future of athletics, both in terms of the Big West and in terms of the CIF coming up over the next couple of months as the country continues to deal with the COVID-19 situation. Joining us now, he is the very fine reporter from the Southern California News Group. However, I'm always going to remember him as being part of the Riverside Press Enterprise. The great Jim Alexander jumps on board to talk with us for a little bit. Uh, We talked a little bit before I turned the mic on. I'm glad to hear you're doing okay. You're holding up. You're like the last man standing, Jim. Pretty much. Pretty much. And I, to be honest, I still consider myself... Riverside Press Enterprise. I mean, it's it's a big news group now and a big sports assemblage, but I'm still on the Press Enterprise payroll for for what that's worth. Let's start at the city of Riverside, man. Um, mm. We had a little bit of a surprise last week with David Patrick now, the head coach at UC Riverside, his second year. The second year obviously marked kind of an improvement from year one, but he decided – not only to leave UC Riverside, but he's deciding to go to Arkansas under Eric Musselman as an assistant coach. What have you been able to talk to anybody, first of all? And what are your thoughts on, you know, a guy who had had a promising second season deciding to cut bait and head to the SEC? I did talk to David uh, last week because I was doing a, a piece which will run tomorrow on Mike McPio, the uh, his replacement. Mm-hmm. Um and the way that Dave, the way that David put it, it's an opportunity he probably just could not pass up. Uh, he had offers previously, similar similar sort of stuff, and and he just decided, look, I want to be a high division one head coach at some point. I need to take one of these opportunities. And he had a chance to go with, with Musselman, who's, who's been a longtime friend and somebody that he's well acquainted with and probably pretty simpatico with. So, you know, it's, it's one of those things where when you get the opportunity, you just have to take advantage of it. And I, you know, UCR, I think everybody at UCR understands that if you're going to get a coach like that, an ambitious guy, a guy that's got some some chops and got a pretty good resume, you're not going to have him forever. You may not even have him for, for five years, which is what how it turned out this time. The, the best thing the best thing you can do is you know have a succession plan in place and then when when something happens, be ready be ready to strike. Did he address the LMU situation at all, Jim? Because my understanding was he was a very strong candidate for that job when they separated from Mike Dunlap a couple months ago. No, he didn't. Um, I I get the sense, and it's just me, it's not really anything that he said. I get the sense that that would be a lateral move. Um, and the guy they got, Stan Johnson, I mean – I really think that's going to work. I, I, I think I think LMU made a good choice. 
as far as Patrick, I mean, he's, you know, if, if you're going to make a move, why would you want to make a move unless it's money related? Why would you want to make a move to a similar, a similar program in a similar situation? Well, I mean, there, I have two answers for you. One is that he had history in the West Coast Conference, obviously True. working under Randy Bennett. True. And two, the athletic director at LMU had known him. They'd worked together at LSU. So mm-hmm. you mentioned okay. Stanley Johnson, who everybody is touting as a great hire. And people I know in basketball who know a lot more than me are saying Stan Johnson's a great hire. But the one factor is he, in essence, he was an assistant at a couple of Power Five places. He comes to LMU from Marquette. And although the Big East isn't a Power Five per se, in basketball, they may as well be. Because as far as their basketball pedigree, they're right there. Yeah. Uh, and, and, and you've covered this, this game a long time. So I'll bring this up. I went and did the research on it. There have been 88 head coaches in the history of the PCAA and the Big West, and in current teams, right? Not you know, mm-hmm. and um, uh, the last Big West coach to get a Power Five job. You care to hazard a guess, Jim? I looked it up. I'm not trying to gotcha you. I looked it up. I was very surprised. I'm stumped. At the end of the 2000. Three or two, I forget, it was 2002-2003, Wayne Morgan left Long Beach State for Iowa State. Right. Yeah. Right. And and Wayne Morgan was a Syracuse guy anyway. Right. He had coached under Bayheim, So there was there was reasoning behind that. Yeah. And it was another case of a guy, you know, starting in, in the Big West and working his way up. That one didn't work that well. But, yeah, that was understandable. I mean, Seth Greenberg ultimately got to both the Big East and the ACC, but he left Long Beach and went to South Florida, mm-hmm. who at the time were in Conference USA before he bumped up. So, you know, the, 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 the one guy we think about is in 2015, when UC Irvine went to their first NCAA tournament in school history, a lot of people felt that Russell Turner was in the driver's seat for the Cal job, and then he didn't get it. And, you know, things kind of the, the calendar moved as it would. And he's, he's still at UC Irvine. So perhaps, and I don't know what maybe David shared with you, the notion that he's got a better chance to get a head coaching position at the Power Five, being an assistant in Arkansas, as opposed to being a head coach at UC Riverside. That is, I think that is absolutely correct. There is a caste system in coaching. If you're a high D1, if you're a Power Five conference school, you are going you are probably not going to take a chance on somebody who was a a mid-major or low low major in the same way that a D1 isn't going to take a chance on a D2 coach unless that D2 coach gets an assistant job and gets some some D1 experience same with a JC coach going into a four-year school same with a high school coach going into a JC and, and the, the higher up you go on that totem pole, the more of a caste system it is. So, yeah, I mean, that's I, I, I it makes perfect sense that if he wants to get that high D1 job, you'd better be on that level when those opportunities open up. Uh, I went through and I think it was 88 head coaches and that includes interim. Justin Bell was on the list. Um, there have been six 
that have gone directly from the Big West or PCAA to a Power Five. One of those was Lute Olson, who kind of had a had a had a stopover at Long Beach State for a year before mm-hmm. he got the Iowa job. Mm-hmm. And, and now that, that that was a different era. That was it, it is it is not as stratified then. It was not as stratified then as it is now. Last couple of years, Jim, you've covered UC Riverside, obviously, not as as closely as you used to, obviously. But did you what was the what was the what was the impression you got from David Patrick? Did you get to know him a little bit? How often did you talk to him? Obviously, the results speak for themselves on the court. But what was the gist of the relationship you had with him in covering UC Riverside? I I enjoyed working with him and I, I, I thought he was very sharp. I thought his assistants were very sharp. And there there was growth there. There was growth. There was a plan. There was a coherent philosophy there. I mean, you look at you look at the NCAA stats at the end of of a truncated season. You look at the fact that they were eighth in the nation in scoring defense. One one tenth of a point ahead of Kansas. I mean, they're in there with Baylor and Kansas and with the Blue Bloods. And, you know, it, a, a mid-major, a team that's kind of struggling to find a niche, struggling to find an identity, hanging your hat on the, de- on def- on the defensive end is the way to go. That, that's probably the, 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 the most logical way to do it. They did it, and they did it very well. They were very, you know, you saw them. They're real tough to play against. And that's what it's going to take for for a school like that, for a program like that, in a conference like that. I mean, you you have to accept what you have, take it and make it work. And I, I he he really did that. And the other thing was mining the Oceania Oceania talent, uh, Australia and New Zealand. And they've got they've got a couple more. Uh, guys from that pipeline coming in this year and it'll be interesting to see if uh if mike can continue that because there are you know there, there's a couple assistants on the staff and evidently the staff will remain as is he's got one opening now but basically it'll be the same staff and i'm sure they'll be recruiting the same the same places you bought you bought it up the new zealand australia players uh is that any sense of concern with the COVID situation in terms of getting those players back in the country for next year? That's a good question. I, I don't really know because I don't know how many of those guys went home and how many of them stayed here. Um, I guess we, we just have to wait and see what happens. Uh, if you've got, if, if guys stayed in the States, if they stayed, in the Riverside area, then, then it shouldn't be a problem. Otherwise, otherwise it may be a problem because of the fact that Australia and especially New Zealand have run their business, handled their business a whole lot differently than we have in this country. Yeah, Yeah. that, 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 that is a great point to make about it. Um, Do you know between talking to Mike McPio and, or David Patrick, what's the budgetary situation? Because I know, you know, you, you read about Stanford dropping 11 sports, Vanderbilt basically replaced their entire, you know, they eliminated their sports communications department. So these are big schools with big money who are 
kind of, you know, and I, I don't know whether it's they really needed to cut those programs or they're just kind of making the move in anticipation of things to come. How secure, and not just UC Riverside, I'm talking about now the entire Big West, in terms of the finance, financial aspect of it, are, are Big West sports potentially in trouble? Is this maybe an indicator of things to come? Might be. Might be. I don't know. I mean, you know, the big the Big West mandates that you have to have a certain number of of varsity sports that are I can't remember what the term is, but like preference that it emphasized. So and beyond that, beyond those sports, uh, you may see some bloodletting. I mean, at UCR, I don't know. I do know that they had a good number of guarantee games last year, and they did pretty well in those games. And that could be the biggest sacrifice. That that could be the different, the biggest difference maker if power five conferences do the same in basketball as they've done, as they're doing in football and saying, okay, we're going to go to an all, all conference schedule. That way we can avoid December or maybe get started in January, you know, limit our travel, live in, limit all the things that we have to deal with and the programs that take it in the shorts are going to be the ones that don't have those guarantee games anymore. I mean, you know, you look at, you look at football and you look at the number of, of schools that have had holes blown in their athletic budgets because they had these games and lost them. And I don't know if they're, they will have any recourse to get any of that money back. And I could see that very easily happening in basketball and on the Big West level, bas- men's basketball is the big money maker. So if all of a sudden those games aren't coming in, those revenues aren't coming in, you know, there's going to have to be some serious, painful decisions made. And I know that, you know, just speaking from from people around UCR, that I'm, I'm sure they've they've had some meetings. They the, there have been there's been a lot of discussion going on as to where college sports is going as a whole, where the conference is going, and where they're going to have to go, ultimately. All right. Um, when I was a young man reading the L.A. Times, one of my favorite columnists was Alan Malamud, and he would talk about spraying to all fields. So we're going to spray to all fields here with the, with Jim Alexander for a little bit. Um, you had an opportunity to chat with the new, the new um, commissioner of the Big West, Dan Butterly. Quick impression. I like him. I like him. I, I I think he's sort of delusional because he was he he was confident there would be a uh, all Mountain West NCAA championship game, but I'm not going to hold that against him. But I like I like his ideas, and I like the idea that he recognizes men's basketball really needs to be shored up, and, and from from a national reputation standpoint, you know there there's there there's good stuff going out here, but if nobody else recognizes it, you know, what, what purpose? What kind of a major league baseball season do we, can we look forward to, or can we look forward to one, Jim? Oh man, I don't know. I, I I mean, part of me wants to say, yeah, it's going to be 60 games and then full playoffs and there's going to be a championship at the end. But, and I've written this a couple of times. The problem is that to do this, especially in a non-bubble you have to do everything perfectly. You the the testing, players staying staying out of situations where they might be in jeopardy and might put their teammates in jeopardy. 
everything has to be foolproof. It has to be just about perfect. And I don't know that that's, I, I don't know that you can count on that. I know talking to uh, Andrew Heaney on a Zoom call last week, that was one of the things he talked about that, you know, there is going to be peer pressure and it's going to be up to teammates to enforce it and to make sure that, hey, you know, you get done, you're going straight home, you're not going out. And I think the uh, decision by the governor today that the uh, restaurants and bars are going to close for a while, that may make it a little easier. But still, I mean, it, there's, it, it, like I say, it's got to be perfect. And I don't know if that's possible. So I wouldn't, I would not assume anything. California Community College Athletic Association came down with a pretty uh, strong ruling. They're going to push all sports to the middle of January, including football. Good thing, bad thing, indifferent. Jim, what do you think? I mean, I think they need to be given credit for at least being proactive, no? I think it's a good thing. I, I agree. Uh, it's probably easier to do that on the community conference level than it would would be at higher levels where more money is involved. But I think the idea that, okay, we are not going to do anything the rest of this year. We're going to see how this plays out. And I, you know, I'm sure they've reserved themselves some wiggle room to push it back further or even eliminate things if it's necessary. But yeah, I, I think, I think that's the way to go. And one benefit of this, as I noted on Twitter last week, there will be no state championships in 2021. 20, the 2020-2021 school year. So that means that uh, Riverside City College will go another year as state football champions. Not a bad okay. thing. Not a bad thing. <laughs> um, I, need, I need you to make a promise with me, Jim. Promise to me, Jim. Mm -hmm. If you ever curse out a senator on an email, you need to let me know first. You know, and you need to come on and talk with me. Give me your thoughts. You know, we, we, there's been a lot of talk about the NBA bubble and Instagram posts and this, that, and the other. But um, ESPN uh, uh, suspends Adrian Wojnarowski for two weeks for a flippant response to Senator Hawley from Missouri. Um, how do you feel they handled it? Is, is it that big a deal? Well, there's one thing that I have learned all these years writing in the newsroom, especially the last decade or so when social media has become so prevalent, don't post anything on social media or send anything in an email that you would not want under your byline in the newspaper or on, on the air. I mean, I, to, to be honest, I don't blame them for suspending him. I understand why he did it, but you don't do that. I mean, it's just professionalism. You you have to you have to maintain that professionalism no matter no matter what venue you're in, no matter what channel of of uh, communication you're using. So, I mean, he, he's probably lucky he just got a suspension. But Jim, where, where where is it written? Where is it written that a sports writer can't curse at a senator? I'm talking about Jim, a senator that's mixed up in, mixed up in drugs. That mixed up in mixed up in crime, a crooked senator that got mixed up in the rackets and got what was coming to him. We got newspaper people on the payroll, don't we, Jim? They might like a story like that. Well, it's one thing to write that story, 
but it's another thing to uh, tell him to go do something to himself in an email. Right. To be right. the student. If you, if, yeah. Right. Yeah. Stay, stay above the fray, but get the news. All right. I always, whenever I can drop in a Godfather uh, call, I always do it. So uh, thank you for, <laughs> thank you for indulging me. But the last time, uh, anytime um, we've talked about, we've talked about junior college. We've talked about the major league baseball a little bit. How about the CIF? So, it's a weird situation now because the CIF, a week from today, they're going to make their announcement about the fall season. But LAUSD has now said, listen, no workouts until August 18th. So how are we going to have fall sports in the CIF, do you think, Jim? Probably not. My suspicion is they will do something very similar to what the community colleges have done. And... To me, to me, the idea that there have been high school teams out there already working out, I'm looking at this and I'm thinking, what are you thinking? I mean, do you realize that what's going on here? And, and I, I just suspect that there are some coaches who just put themselves in a bubble and don't really think that much about, you know, who you're putting in jeopardy. If it's if it's me. Nobody works out at all until we have a plan. And I've, I've seen far too much of it. You, you bring that up. I want to shout out our friend Andy Martinez, who's on the Norda Vista coaching staff with Ken Batdorf. He revealed he, on Twitter, he posted that he is he's now affected with this COVID-19. He's, he's you know. He's doing well. Obviously, he's home, mm -hmm. but he's got the virus and he doesn't feel particularly well. So Coach Martinez, you know, he's always been very, very nice to me and very good to the people at Riverside TV when I worked there. So we want to wish him well and wish yes. him a speedy recovery. Absolutely. And, and, you know, and that's part of it, Jim, is when it hits you personally, it's a little different than when you're just reading statistics in, in the newspaper. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the thing that, that everybody needs to keep in mind is it's you but it's also the people you come in contact with. So uh, don't think of me. Don't, don't, don't think, you know, how should I say this? Think of your mom, think of your grandma, think of, think of all the people that are in at risk categories that are susceptible to this. Protect them. Wear a mask. How has it been for you and the family, Jim? Any, any, I mean, uh, is it, you know, fairly normal? Are you able to see your grandkids? How is that going? Fairly normal. Um, they've, they've come over from, from time to time, but uh, I, I try not to go out. I, I, I keep telling people I have filled my gas tank once since March 11th. Mm -hmm. Wow. I, I filled it on March 11th with the anticipation that, that I'd be going down to Anaheim for the Big West tournament the next day. And we all know what happened there. But I haven't gone. I don't go out. I mean, I'll, I'll go out to, to go down to 7-Eleven or, or go pick up food to bring back. But other than that, that's it. Jim Alexander, again, thanks for your time. A very informative conversation as always. Stay safe, stay well, and hopefully we can do this again soon when sports are back and going. I'm for it. All right. Jim Thank Alexander, you. Southern California News Group, Riverside Press Enterprise, joining us today. Thanks again.
joining me now is Mr. Riverside. He's, he's a proud alum of Mona High School. He's a proud alum of CBU. He calls the uh, Riverside football with me, Riverside uh, RCC football on Riverside TV. He is the color analyst, sometimes play-by-play guy for UC Riverside basketball, and just an all-around good guy. The great Jeffrey Gorham joins us today. We're just having a conversation with a good friend of mine. It's great to see you. You look great, my friend. Hey, I'll tell you what. COVID has been fantastic, Gazal, as you see that I'm enjoying. See, the only reason I got this beverage is because I know you're a big Sinatra fan and, and the, Rat, the Rat Pack. See, I'm a Dean Martin fanatic. You know, I love Dino, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I like to have my one martini a day, and I figured what better than, you know, normally I have it with the wifey poo. But what better than to have my martini with one of my best friends in the world, Gazal? That, that, yeah, it's, I love it, baby. And, I, you know, I kind of gravitate to Dean, too, because he's a little swarthier than Frank, you know. And, I, like, you know me, I'm more about the fun than I am about the power. I think Frank liked the power. I think Dean was into the fun. And I think you and I are both kind of deep because we're just more into the fun than, any, than anything else. We really are. I mean, we, we like to be serious at times, but... You know, I think you and I are, are are cut from the same cloth. We talk about old TV shows. We talk about old diners. We talk about nostalgia. And I think well, you're one of the only few people that gets me. And I think I'm probably one of the only few people that can get the real, true Gazal Hassan. We're when I, when I talk about the Baba Ram Baba people, I never have to explain to you what that is. You know right away. Yeah, and, and the, the good thing is we do finish each other's thoughts. And it's, it's nice that, you know, I want to say thank you to you because – you took a chance on me after our other buddy John Ramey. Uh, you know, I was his partner for a year, and he said, "You got to, you got to hire this guy." And uh, you and I hit it off since day one. And I'll tell you, I have not had a uh, a truer partner, more knowledgeable, and more professional than than you. You're hey, you're a top ten guy in in uh, Southern California. You got, <laughs> I mean, come on, man. You're 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 you are literally my mentor and my hero and dear dear friend. The check is in the mail. We have to actually, you know, you brought up a great idea. I want to sit down with you and Ramey at some point because, you know, you got hired because he wanted to know about credit recovery. That's and John, exactly. Ramey, John Ramey got your resume, and he and I had a 45-minute conversation about credit recovery. And he's like, I got to call this guy. Like, I, this guy, this is what, really what he does? I got to call this guy. <laughs> so, um, by the way, speaking of Nordavista, I want to shout out Andy Martinez uh, defensive coordinator. He was at Hillcrest for a few years. Now he's back at Novi with Batdorf, um, afflicted with the COVID-19. So he's he's sick, obviously, but he's doing well enough. He's kind of posting updates on Twitter. And obviously, Coach Martinez has always been very generous with, with myself and yourself. I want to wish him a, a speedy recovery and obviously best to his family. I want to say the same, but let's be honest. We I know Andy. I think he's had COVID for the last 20 years. I mean, he's, <laughs> he's, he is the best. He's the hardest working guy there is. A little loopy because he loves the game of football so much. But I'll tell you what, yeah, my, my thoughts and prayers about his daughter. His daughter was in the hospital for six days. And uh, nice knowing that, that he is getting better. Can't smell or, or taste anything yet, but he'll be back. All right. Hey, let's jump into it. So it's weird because last we left it, I was getting ready to – we were getting ready to party a little bit because we were going to have that Thursday at the Big West Tournament. We never got to do it. Um your good friend, Dave pa- David Patrick, is now has left UC Riverside. He has taken the job at, as an assistant with Eric Musselman at Arkansas. And Eric Musselman, in a weird twist of fate, he's buddies with our old our guy John Ramey. Um, now, I don't want to, you know, I don't want you to betray any confidence. I know you knew about this before it was happening. 
So give me your assessment about what I, mean, I have my own ideas, obviously. What went into DP, DP's decision to leave the sunny climbs of Riverside to go head to the SEC? You know, I, I think a lot. I know he loved UC Riverside. He loved what he had done for two years. Uh, you know, I think that the we were on the cusp. I mean, really, we had any as good a shot as anybody to make the tournament. We were playing very well. I I, I think his decision came more with he has two young daughters, uh, and he wasn't too sure if his kids were going to be in school. And I think that played a lot into it. Is that he wanted a comfort zone for his family. Um, and I think once his his contract was no longer a buyout, you know, I think his buddy, Coach Musselman, who he was with at LSU, said, look, I need you in my staff. I, he's a, one of the best recruiters, on, you know, on the West Coast now. He's been here for two years. And he was great in the South. And I think it was a great opportunity for DP. I mean, I don't think, and I'm not saying this as a bad thing, I don't think UC Riverside could afford seven figures. And that's what it boils down to is he's going to be at a power five conference, an associate head coach. He's working with one of his best friends, but he left UC Riverside with the cupboard full and nobody other than Zach Watson has left the program. So that tells you that the, the loyalty that the players have all bought in, I bought into, I, I drink the Kool-Aid. I love what he was doing there, but I think he left the staff uh, intact and I think that they're just going to continue to flourish, to be honest with you. Uh, uh, you make a great point about it. Uh, I was doing some research, and in the history of the PCAA in the Big West, there have been 88 head coaches. Okay, Of those 88 head coaches, six have, spring, have springboarded from the Big West slash PCAA to Power 5 jobs. Okay, and this includes back when UNLV and Utah State and all these other schools were in the conference. The last Big West coach to go directly to a Power Five job was Wayne Morgan in 2003. So that just goes to show you. And one of the six was Lute Olson, who was at Long Beach State for one year and then got the job at Iowa. I think it was back in 75. So when I was kind of, you know, uh, what's the line from A Few Good Men? Without passion or prejudice. Yes. When I went and looked at the numbers, I'm like, okay, this makes sense. Now, the money is obviously a big deal because he's making a lot of money at, at Arkansas, and Eric Musselman obviously is a, is a great guy to work for. Um, that was one of the factors that I thought. I want to ask you this, and again, I don't want you to betray any confidences. Yeah. How close did he come to LMU? How close was that job? They eventually hired Stanley Johnson, who everybody considers to be a great hire. The connection there obviously was the current AD at LMU, new DP from when they were at LSU together. Was that job even close? Is that something he even wanted to explore? Uh, you know, I think they explored it with him. And I'm going to say this. I knew uh, that I knew about this job and I knew that he had an opportunity to possibly get the LMU job. I just didn't say anything to him until one day we were at dinner, you know, on the road. And I kind of winked at him and said, you know, the LMU job opened up. And he just gave me a wink, and I had already known because there's a lot of people I know in college basketball. Right, right. Call me, and I'm not going to betray their confidence, but they said, you know, it, it's his if he wants it. And he had, and this was a high-powered basketball person in Southern California, really across the country. But I think he was really looking forward to his stay at UC Riverside. He built it up for two years, but then, like I said, when your one of your best friends in the world comes along, offers you an, an opportunity to be an associate head coach. Um, and it's better for your family. It's better for your future. And like I said, if he had left UC Riverside in a bad spot, just said, act with it, I leave you guys, I think I would have a different feeling. But he's one of the most genuine, kind human beings I know. 
Uh, I just didn't think there was anything wrong with moving on for the better of him. I'm happy as heck for him. I still talk to him quite a bit, and uh, I, I guess I'll become a, a Razorback fan and a Highlander fan just because I think Mike McPio is going to do a phenomenal job. Last thing on Coach Patrick. So, I, you know, you know a lot of people. I don't know as many people as you. I know a few people, too. And the yeah. two things that came up when I talked to these people who are close to Coach Patrick and, the you know, in basketball said that obviously there was an issue with finances, not his salary. But, you know, with this COVID-19, we don't know when things are going to get back. You might not be able to play guarantee games. So budget-wise, he wasn't so wor- much so much worried about himself as the other aspects of the program, you know, paying Adobo, you know, being able to do certain things on road trips. The other factor that was brought up to me is with the COVID-19 travel restrictions, there were some doubts as to some some of the guys who may have left the country, the international players for UC Riverside, were they going to be able to come back? Either of those, either of those situations have any truth to them? Um, you know, I think he wanted to make sure – the only thing I could say that was probably truthful is he's always wanted to make sure that his staff was taken care of. And the first thing I asked him uh, – like I said, I, I knew prior to – I don't want to say how long, but I knew prior. I said, hey, who are you taking with you? And he said, nobody. I, I, I'm not going to do that. And I said – and I understood why. He said, those are my guys. That's my coaching family. Uh, but they're building something still there, and they all uh, bought in. Coach Patrick is just – Still bought in. He's just in a different program. And there's I don't see any animosity. I still talk to the players. I've I've seen talked to them quite a bit. Everybody seems genuinely happy for the guy, and there's no bitterness at all. But I do think he was making sure his guys were taken care of. Um, all right, let's go. Let's move on to Mike Mike Pio, who's gonna be the head coach. And I didn't realize this. I mean, he's a pioneer, the first Asian American head coach at the division one level. He's a Filipino American. And very interesting background for him. He's a UCSB guy um, and young, young guy uh, who's going to be taking over the program. He was the top assistant for Coach Patrick the last couple of years. Now, obviously, I'm guessing, Jeff, he's going to keep pretty much the same system. But what is unique about Coach Magpio that uh, will be able to take this legacy that David Patrick started and kind of move it to the next level? Well, watching the staff and seeing how prepared they are every single day uh, with game notes, uh, film, they they have it down to a science. And he's a great defensive guy. Uh, but remember, he was at USF. He's been uh, at Columbia. He's seen all sorts of uh, different fat phases of basketball. The defense will stay the same. And I think offensively, they'll still run similar because they're bringing in three big giants to go along with the big guys they had last year. I think they're going to be a lot better but I think they're going to run the same format offensively to a, pretty much to a point. But, man, what a great human being, uh, organized to a T. Uh, players love him. He's great with uh, the community. He's just a genuine guy, a lot like David Patrick. And I can see why he brought him into the fold. He's just a smart human being. Any thoughts on what – I don't know. You probably can't tell me a name, but there's an assistant spot open now at UCR. Do you know – Has do they have a – person in mind or they have a type of person in mind to come in and fill in that position jeffrey me no <laughs> you'd, you'd be a good choice i think you'd be a good oh, choice trust me I, I thought about going hey magpio but no you know I, I honestly i don't know i think they're probably just gonna bring up the uh dobo uh which makes sense and from then i don't even know if they'll have a dobo next year i mean who knows what's gonna happen i know they were coach patrick and I can say this now. Coach Patrick was taking care of me last year going on the road. He, you know, he made sure that I was I was on the road and I was paid great. 
I was SID fill in. Um, I just don't know if they're going to need a Dobo next year. So it could come on, fall on the hands of those three assistant coaches. All right. Um, as far as the players, you said the players they have coming in are pretty good. They're going to improve the team, which uh, uh, they ended up, I think they ended up sixth, right? Overall in the, in the big West tied for sixth. Um, the new, the new influx of players you feel will improve the, uh, the, the talent pool there. Well, yeah, I think they're the same kind of guys. A lot of them are international players. The big kid from St. Mary's is coming in uh, 6'11". You know, you have Callum McRae, who had an excellent sophomore campaign. You bring in a graduate transfer senior who's another 7-footer who's more mobile and athletic. You have Angus McWilliam, who's really a 6'11", 7-footer who's athletic as, as heck. And you have uh, Arenze Cheatham, who can play inside and out. They look like, an, you know, I hate to say it, they look like a UC Irvine and either team with, you know, athletic bigs, a couple big slugs in there to get some rebounds and hurt guys. I think they're going to do some damage, and really, I think they're going to be better next year. Uh, Jeff Gorman always keeps it positive. Um, let's jump over now to you and I do a, do a, have an opportunity to call some junior college football this year, the national champions RCC. So I talked to Jim Alexander about this, and I guess he said, well, RCC is going to be state champion again in twenty in twenty twenty because they're not going to do any kind of state championship this year. They're just going to run the schedule, and the CCAA has already determined that they're going to play all their sports starting in January. So no fall sports at the junior college level in the state of California. They're going to push everything to January. How do you feel about that decision? Well, I, I think it's great just because you know it's a community college. You these guys want to play you know four year Division one possibly football. And what better place than an RCC? I mean, honestly, uh, you and I called the games, and it was—they were laughable. They were so—they were so bad, lopsided. Um, I think it's good for them to play. I don't know if they can play. Are they going to play a full schedule? That's, uh, that's, that's what they said. Uh, you know, I, I'm okay with it. I think it's going to be hard though if you're going to play next season starting on normal time. That means you're going to play a lot of games in less than a calendar year. Um, but no, I think it's okay. It's just you and I are going to be working quite a bit. We're going to be working, uh, you know, high school football, college football, college basketball. Heck, we're not, never going to have a time, a day off, I should say. Um, CIF. So the CIF supposedly is going to make a decision a week from today, a week from uh, the 20th of July in terms of their fall schedule. What do you think? Is there a chance that we'll be calling high school football in August and September? I don't think August and September. I think uh, logically now that I saw that uh, Los Angeles – City of Los Angeles and San Diego Unified, uh, both are going uh, full online the first semester. That's 85,000 students that are going to be uh, at home. I don't know how you can bring kids on campus, make sure that they're there, make it safe for uh, the, the high school athlete. I think that high school football will start about the same time as community college football. And we could have a problem there is because you're going to have high school football, high school basketball, and high school baseball all intertwined. And a lot of these schools share athletes. And you're going to have teams that won't be able to field a, a JV and freshman team because they've had all their varsity basketball players playing football and freshmen and sophomores. So it's, it's going to be a, a, a difficult way to juggle things, but I don't think we see high school football until at least January. You have some interesting insight into this whole situation. Now you teach at Norda Vista. I don't want to. I don't want to get you in trouble, but you're, you know, you're on the staff there at Novi, and I know there are some challenges. I mean, forget the sports for a second. Just in terms of getting the students back in school 
who've been learning, you know, remotely since March. How is that working? Are you in touch with you with your school district? How how is the school district dealing with with that situation, Jeff? Well, I, I think everybody's kind of just kind of in a waiting game. You know, we've prime. You know, we have a primary thing saying we're going to go uh, one through three periods, two days a week, and three through six, two days a week, and then Fridays will be uh, completely distance learning. And the model goes to like 12:30, so you're going to lose a lot of uh, time in the classroom if Al Gore decides to do that. And I just don't know how you can have Riverside, San Bernardino, um, uh, this area, Parish Unified, closed down for a semester and kind of correlate and get this these programs, these schedules together to make it work. I just I don't see it happening. I was I was very optimistic two weeks ago. But the last day today with San Diego closing down, I, I firmly think we're not going to have fall sports. Let's let's go back for a second. Yeah, because everything going forward is kind of speculation at this point. Yeah. I mean, I, th- I know you have a little insight because you're working for the district. But take me back to March. You oh. were in the same situation as I was. We're waiting to call a game on a Thursday, and the word comes down, no tournament. Where were you? How are you feeling? How was it going for you guys? I, I think I was texting you. I think you were the one that told me. And I went down and, and told DP, David Patrick, I said, I don't think we're playing. And soon enough, you had the word before he did. He gets a text, and we weren't playing. Uh, and then that's when the entire world changed. Education-wise, like I want to kind of reiterate, this distance learning thing, it's it's not working. I, I would love to say that everybody's doing a great job, but a lot of kids don't have computers. A lot of kids don't have Wi-Fi at home. So, you know, I could have a class of 30, and 20 of them might have computers at home, but the other 10 have no way to get – it's, it's going to be a nightmare. I hope they figure this thing out. But, yeah, ever since that thir- – that was it Friday the 13th? Is that where we were? Thursday, it was the 12th. It was Thursday the 12th, yeah. And then the 13th school closed. But, no, I was laying in bed in my hotel. Uh, we did a shoot around, and, and then I got a text from you. And it was unbelievable, uh, sad. Uh, I felt really bittersweet for the, the, the seniors. I told them, hey, at least you went out with a win. You didn't, you know, you're one of the only, yeah. you know, only one team usually lasts with, you know, a, a win at the end of the season. And so they, they took it in stride, but I think they felt robbed as you probably did as well. You guys are playing yeah. great. Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, uh, the CSUN guys, they, it was really, you know, you could, you could, you, you could hear, you know, we got the, the information and then about 10 minutes later, you could hear guys yelling in the hallway of the hotel. Cause they were just, we were getting ready to go on the bus. I mean, the bus was, it was at nine 50, the bus was at 10 o'clock and we we're heading to the arena. So the, the guys really, it was really, emo- you know, it was more emotional than I thought it was. Yeah. than I thought it would be they, cause you know, and they, these guys weren't necessarily seniors, but they were guys who just wanted to play. And it got taken away from them literally before they're about to step on the bus to go to the arena. And I really felt for, I felt for the players. Uh, yeah, I agree. I was, I was actually in, in the, the locker room or, or I should say the, the hotel lobby area when we were talking and, you know, I'm not going to share too much other than it was, it, it was a surreal moment, but it was a genuine moment. And I felt for the first time ever in college athletics, I felt genuine sadness for, for players. And I wasn't even playing. I felt genuine sadness because they worked so hard, just as, yeah, as yeah. CSUN did. They're playing so well. The guys all like each other. If if you're you know if you're a jerk, and you're playing college basketball and you're with a team and there's there's that there's that uh, dissension. There's no dissension with UC Riverside, yeah. and it was hard for me to see that and end on that sour note. Yeah, it's yeah. tough. It's a tough one. Yeah. Um, Give me, give me some final thoughts here, Jeff. I mean, the family seems like it's good. You're living a life of leisure there at Stately yeah. Gorham Manor. Um, what, uh, what, what do you have to look forward to? 
Uh, you know, the, the good thing I, I can say is I've been with my, my, my sons, uh, Connor, you know, Fast Johnny and Luke for the last four months, every single day. Uh, I've got to be around my wife. I get to be around my dog. Uh, I, I'm, I'm genuinely happy that I'm with my family and not stressed about food, not stressed about, you know, living like other people are in this country. And it's heartbreaking, but yet I'm very warm uh, to be among my people I love and my sh- my small bubble, which includes you. I wish I could see you and, and see Ramey and all of our other dear friends. But, uh, yeah, it's just been tough, but I couldn't be happier being spending time with just my, my peeps, my little midgets. Thank you so much. Please tell the boys hello for me. Um, I know they've been probably – it's tougher for them than it is for you probably, uh, you know, especially the two little guys trying to get, get out and about and run around. But right. – Hey, thanks for the insight as always. It's always a pleasure. And hopefully sooner than later, we'll be in a press box somewhere calling something, Jeff. I'm really looking forward to it. Uh, we'll be better because I, I honestly, any job I have in this world uh, is secondary when I get to work with you. Honestly, you know, I look forward to our Bless you. Uh, I, I look forward to seeing you. You're one of the, the, the only people I look at in this world and I, I get still get excited to see you other than my children. And that's you, Gazal. I love working with you, buddy. That's a high compliment. I feel the same way about you, sir. Thanks again for your help. The great Jeff Gorham joining us. Talk a little uh, college basketball. Give us a little insight into the David Patrick transition to Mike Magpio at UC Riverside. You're a great man, sir. They should put you in the uh, in the Ramona Hall of Fame, but that's the topic for another day. It's going to be posthumously, posthumously, my friend. Uh, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully not, but thank you. Thanks, easy, Jeff. Have a good one, buddy. 